0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Professor Robert D'Agostino
1: with Do Facts Matter? Uh, and Thank you for joining us. I was a little late getting here, but uh, I wanted to kind of continue on the the, uh, theme of last week and uh, talk about uh, the future and what's going on. I think... You have to understand something, and I think Commentary Magazine—the uh, last commentary had a, uh, a wonderful series of articles about the revolution. And what we are experiencing is the is the prelude to a revolution. And go back in history; whether you go to the French Revolution, you go to uh, uh, pre-Nazi Germany, you go to pre-communist Soviet Union, Russia, because came to Soviet Union chaos the creation of chaos always was a prelude to the revolution so the left is into chaos and that is of course is what's happening right now chaos and uh it and 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 that is the prelude to the revolution so we're, we're dealing with an insurrection with the with the uh goal of of course chaos and and uh creating the revolution, the, the, the takeover of the country by the Bolshevik left. And uh, look, <clears throat> don't be mistaken. This is not about Black Lives Matter. This is not about uh, uh, Antifa. Antifa and Black Lives Matter are part of the group that's being manipulated by the rulers who want the revolution. They want control. They, they want to get rid of Trump. They want to get rid of the Constitution. They want control, and I've discussed that before. Why they what, What's the financial reason? The financial reason is what China. There's only 330 million Americans, 1.3 billion Chinese. Which which market is more lucrative? In the recent pandemic, where we overreacted, closed down the country under pressure from the the so-called elites, including some of the scientific elites, who, although if you look at what Fauci has said and what the World Health Organization have said, they they said different things at different times. But this pandemic benefited the ultra wealthy. The top ultra wealthy billionaires in this country during the pandemic made an extra five hundred billion dollars. They benefited. From what was going on, whether it's manipulation in the stock market in the financial markets, or like Jeff Bezos was Amazon in, in supplying uh, uh, goods without people having to go out or go to the store, they benefited by five hundred billion dollars, and they have taken that money. Let's go. Where, where that? Where does the money from B, Black Lives Matter come from? The organization, corporations. Do you really believe that that Black Lives Matter and many of the people of Black Lives Matter are true Marxists, true communists, they, they absolutely are in favor of of destroying the entire system to create a utopia. And we've had a lot of utopian movements over all the years and I always end up in disaster, whether it's Nazi Germany, And their definition of utopia or the French Revolution or Pol Pot in Cambodia or Mao Zedong in China and the Cultural Revolution, they're all over the world. There's all these utopian movements that always end up as disasters. But they always end up with a new ruling class. So the real question is, what's going on in this country? And the answer to that is real simple, that the corporations are funding Black Lives Matter to create the chaos. So they can seize complete power, economic power. And the, the trade-off is the two great, the, the two great, uh, uh let's say, uh, desires of mankind, motivators of mankind of money and sex. And so this revolutionary movement is about money for the major corporations, and major uh, financial institutions. Well, let, let, me, let me go back to this. So Black Lives Matter, which is being funded primarily by the corporations, they have a reason for that, and the reason is financial. So Black Lives Matter is a tool of the major corporations in this country who are mostly concerned with globalization and mostly concerned with getting rid of uh, Trump's uh, it's kind of a semi-mercantile policy to protect American workers and uh, his interference with their access to the overseas markets uh, by renegotiating some of these deals uh, to, for the benefit of American workers. So Black Lives Matter now is, is really a tool of the corporations. That's where the money's coming from. What, what about a- Antifa? Antifa... Is more revolutionary in the sense that, uh, they probably have some people backing Antifa who really think that we ought to have a Marxist uh, dictatorship in this country. And I'm talking about the George Soros's of the world who are funding Antifa big time. And I think sooner or later, if they can't allow Trump to be elected, reelected, if Trump is reelected, I believe that he will go after these people who are funding the chaos, funding the rioting, funding the attempt to overthrow the government uh, as as uh, commentary pointed, commentary magazine, uh, so well pointed out in, the, in, their, in their recent uh, uh, publication about this is a revolution and it has to be stopped. It has to be ended. And they know That if Trump is reelected, there'll be no limits to what he will do to stop the violence, to stop the killing of fellow Americans. It is not true that I think Trump cares tremendously about his fellow Americans. And so I know they try to, you know, talk to him about a
0: billionaire.
1: Well, heck, before the pandemic, uh, I think Forbes said Trump had maybe $5 billion max. Uh, that wouldn't put him in the top 25 or 30 billionaires in this country. And, and I urge, go and look at those top billionaires. Almost every one of them. Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, are Democrats. They're funding the left. And, and, uh, George Soros and all his open society foundations, plural. They're funding, they're funding the left. Either they're funding Black Lives Matter and, the, and their riots, or they're funding Antifa, which is, uh, I think, uh, more organized in terms of uh, uh, goal of, of setting up the uh, new utopian uh, state. And how do they do it? Chaos and creating chaos. If Trump is reelected, if it's a narrow election victory on November 3rd, they will steal it. The Democrats will steal it. They are the political wing of this Marxist-Leninist uh Maoist movement. And they will steal the election with these so-called r- ballots, mail-in ballots, absentee ballots, just like they stole the Senate seat from Norm Coleman in Minnesota to give it to Al Franken many years ago. They know how to steal elections. They, the governorship of Washington state, they stole years ago. The, the Senate re- race in uh, Louisiana, they stole it from Woody Jenkins years ago. There's a congressman in Indiana. They stole that election years ago. The attempted steal of Florida from Bush. Bush took Florida fairly simply. I mean, fairly easily, uh, not by 400 votes. He took Florida if you you took out the votes, the double voting, the 30 to 60 thousand people in Miami who also voted in New York, all virtually all Democrats, and and the other fraudulent votes. You know, Harvard. In 2008, there's a Harvard study about um, citizens uh, voting. And the Harvard study indicated 5.7 million non-eligible, non-citizens had registered to vote, although they concluded the total vote was 600,000. Only six, they cast 600,000 votes. But 600,000 votes, and a lot of votes, especially if they're concentrated in certain areas, now if they concentrate in California, they don't change much because California is you know, overwhelmingly you know, Democrat, plus they have all the uh, illegals in California vote anyway. There was another study done in, uh, in 2018, look it up by Stanford University professors and Harvard professors with a statistician from Microsoft, which was talking about double voting. And they had in there a lot of information about uh, fraud or potential fraud. 1.8 million dead folks are still on the, the, uh, registered around the country. Doesn't mean 1.8 million votes are cast in their names. It means there's an opportunity to commit fraud and up that opportunity and you know, pops out at 1.8 million for dead folks voting. I hear the old joke in, in, in Chicago. My uncle was a solid Republican. He voted straight Republican his entire life until he died. Then he became a Democrat. And uh, there are other ways. This vote harvesting business, where where the uh, uh, Democrats have, have uh, done done. In fact, there's an article in the uh, New York Post by a purported Democrat operative who uh, was an expert in fraudulent voting and how he stole votes and, and for the Democrats and uh, what he did. And one of the big things, of course, is this vote harvesting, especially like uh, in old folks' homes, and assisted care homes. You go in there with these so-called mail-in ballots, and you help them fill them out, and then you take them back. And, of course, when you help them fill them out, you make them for Democrats. On the other hand, if you don't help them fill them out, what you do is you then offer, it. oh, you don't have to mail them. We'll, we'll take and deliver them to the election officials. And then what he said in this article in the... New York Post is they would steam the envelopes open because the envelopes were mailed out by the election officials and they were in fact uh, some security uh, devices on the envelopes, but not the ballots. So they either replace the ballots with forged ballots if if the wrong person if, if the person voted Republican or do whatever necessary to, to make sure the ballot indicated a Democrat or throw them away. There were thousands of ballots thrown away in New Jersey, mail-in ballots, just tossed away. They never got counted. Where are they? So this idea that mail that there's a, <clears throat> no fraud is, is nonsense. There's quite a bit of fraud. And in close elections, it works. And the Democrats are experts at fraud. Let's get back to what's going on. One of the key things here in chaos is to have people fighting against each other. In other words, ethnic group against ethnic group, religious group against religious group. And the Democrats are mastered. This is identity politics. That's what identity politics is all about. It's about getting groups to fight with other groups. It's 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 to destroy any unity or cultural unity in the country this idea that multiculturalism is as good as nonsense. There are various variations of Western civilization, Western culture, and those variations are fine. They they show up in food. The Irish like one food. The Italians like another food. The French make great bread. Uh, So there's all sorts of subcultural issues, but the basic culture was Western culture based on Christianity which, of course, has roots in both uh, ancient Greece philosophy and Judaism. But that's it. The idea is that that has to be destroyed. And I talked about that, uh, how to create chaos. I talked about it before. And, and what we've seen in the black community, as I pointed out yesterday, every time the black community in this country started to make advances, the Democrats did something about it. In a Reconstruction, <clears throat> they formed the Ku Klux Klan, initially destroyed Regulus's Grant, a Republican. But then, <clears throat> then the second iteration later on in the second term, he couldn't send the troops in because the Democrats had taken over the House. So therefore, Jim Crow set it in the South. So, And then, of course, when everything was going well in the 50s, we're he- heading towards uh, a uh, Voting Rights Act, Democrats couldn't stand that. How do we keep that whole community? You know, we, we, we were they weren't once Republicans, and we, and we kept them from voting. How do we keep them? How do we make them vote Democrat? Well, we come up with this program called Great Society, the War on Poverty. Nothing could just nothing. They had to know. They had to know that those programs would destroy the low-income families low-income communities. They had to know it. And what happened? Black babies, 11% were single-family mothers in 1960. What is it today? 72%? 75%? And and this destruction of the low-income families has now overtaken the whites. What was it? Uh, 1960, white babies born to single-parent mothers, uh, in a single parent mothers, single single parent homes, to mothers, maybe three percent. What is it now? It's thirty percent. So the destruction of the family was an important element in creating chaos, because you know from sociological studies that in fact, typical boys raised in single parent homes more likely to be criminals, are more likely to fail in school, are more likely to be antisocial, and more likely to have more their children. So so you have that, and, and that's the sociological liturgy. It's not, you can deny it if you want, and of course now the left is saying, well, there's nothing wrong with single-family paranorms. Well, as a practical matter, there's a lot wrong with single-family not all single paranormal <laughs> But as an, an algorithm, it, you're much likely to to succeed, if you come from a single parent home, than if you come from a two parent home, meaning a, a, a male and a female, a husband and a wife. So destruction of the family. Destruction of the church. The church is a limit, has exercised a limit on bad behavior. The church had authority. People were less likely to, to uh, let's say, to exercise their, um some evil natures that they may or may not have had. Uh, In Christian theology, man is born, the fallen nature of man is a given. So you have to have control, one of those controls, the family and the church. And, uh, And, of course, the other control is the law. And now the law is completely under attack in this country by the left. And we see it in Portland, we see it in Seattle, we see it in Rochester now, in New York, we see it in uh, Kenosha. We see it in every major city where the uh, Democrats hold sway. There are serious, not every, almost every major city where the Democrats hold sway. There is serious problems with rioting, chaos. But That's, of course, the whole idea. The more chaos, the less people have the faith in their government and the more likely they are to opt for something else. They'll fall for something else, just like they fell for something else in Nazi Germany, in the French Revolution. The French Revolution, they never had majority support in France, but they had a passionate minority. Victor David Hansen points out, a passionate minority. When I tell my students, I go to class, I say, look, you got a board of directors of corporation. What's the majority of the board of directors or board of trustees of an institution? What's the majority? They say, oh, that's easy, you know, six out of eleven. Is it wrong? A majority is three out of the eleven if the three have an agenda and there's no counter agenda. So you can, the minority of folks in France did, supported the, the, the revolutionary, the Jacobins that they were, they were minority, but they took over. Hitler, what did Hitler get in the election when he became chancellor? His Nazi party got, you know, well,
0: over 30%, and he took over Germany. Okay, Robert, uh, how about we take a break here? Okay. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, I am Roger B., host of the Locked and Loaded show on America's Web Radio. Be sure to join us live every Tuesday at 1,500 hours for the latest in gun news, gun products, gun politics, and other gun-related stuff. That's Tuesday, 1,500 hours, America's Web Radio. Hey folks, this is Victor
1: Armendares with the On Point with Victor show. Just to remind you, don't miss every Tuesday 2 to 3 live right here on America's Web Radio. And remember, I'm not angry,
2: I'm just right.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Professor Robert
1: D'Agostino back with Do Facts Matter. And what I've been talking about, I can summarize as the ruler Revolution the corporations are funding black lives matter and they intend to be the rulers and not only the corporations but the big financial institutions on wall street the big foundations are directly or indirectly funding antifa and they intend to help create the new utopian country where everybody is free and uh, and equal yeah, sure. If you believe that, I'll sell you the Brooklyn Bridge. So we have then a... a what? Where are we going with this? Where is the country going with this? If Trump wins narrowly, the Democrats will steal the election. There's not any question about it. They'll know how many votes they have to steal, and if it's a reasonable number, they'll steal them. There's, there's, if, if Trump wins by a landslide... Uh, which is possible. I'm, and, and certainly there's a couple of groups that predicted a Trump landslide. Um, they, uh, then what, what the left will do is spend four more years creating chaos, rioting chaos. And I think they underestimate because I, I think that, uh, Donald Trump knows exactly what's going on and exactly what these people are up to. And if he's reelected and takes then there's nothing to prevent him from, from taking serious action. Uh, you know, if there's, a real, if there's an insurrection and, and, and it's revolutionary goals, there are things that he can do, including calling out the military. And he may have to do that because there's only two solutions to what's going on, and that is winning a fight or separation. And there's increasing number of people who are talking about the country will needs to separate. People cannot get together. They cannot live together uh, any longer. And we need to, we need to form, you know, Pacifica, let California, Oregon and Washington go their own way. Although of course, Eastern Oregon, Eastern Washington are both pretty conservative areas. They may not want to be part of, uh, a country dominated by the coastal California. But there's this idea that more and more on the internet, and it's kind of interesting because, uh, I'm not familiar with a lot of this, uh, uh, these, uh, websites, but a lot of the young folks are actually zeroing in on these more uh, the radical, both radical left, radical right, uh, websites about uh, what, what's to happen, uh, and uh, there's a, a one character who I just learned about, and he's called uh, uh, what's he called? He's called Bronze uh, Bronze Age Pervert, and he's got a book. No one knows who he is. They don't know his identity, but uh, apparently, a lot of young folks are uh, reading him. And uh, let, me, let me just read a, a uh, comment from him, which just popped up in my email recently. This is quotes from Bronze H. Mindset, a book, book written, apparently, by this character, whoever he is. Among your instincts, you will find the longing for strong friendships that the modern evil tries to snuff out. And they have good reason to try this. Because every great thing in the past was done through strong friendships between two men or brotherhoods of men. And this includes all great political things, all acts of political freedom and power. The modern zoo wants you instead to be a weak and isolated individual. And that last sentence is so true. It's all about just the state and the person. Nothing between. No church. And certainly no independent small businesses. They're the worst. And Lenin knew that. And, of course, he called them petty bourgeois. But what he was talking about is independent small businesses where people had their own means and didn't need the, the, the state to tell them what to do and how to do things. So the destruction of small businesses in this country defined as business of less than 500 people employed uh, it means that uh, you concentrate power in the big corporations and big corporations, big unions, big government go together to form corporate capitalism, which also becomes crony capitalism. The Obama administration was a crony capitalist administration. Look it up. Look up all the green companies that they, they funded with grants and guaranteed uh, loans and, uh, and, and ask investors to to invest in, because the government would backstop their investment. And every one of them, with one exception, every one of them failed. That's bankruptcy or or uh, liquidated, or were sold to a Chinese firm. And what else besides their failure was common to virtually all of them? All of them were had investors. That supported the Democrat Party and the Obama re-elections, all them, with one exception. By the way, the exception was the one who didn't have government subsidies and did succeed. But in any case, that's another story. The, um, so we had the Obama administration and the Chrony capitalist administration. Uh, they tended to be a corporate capitalist administration because they truly believe and the Obama administration believed that experts sitting in Washington could decide on economic issues, along with other issues, but on economic issues they could decide, and that small businesses were in the way of the big corporations, uh, you know, creating this wonderful community for all of us. But the last thing the Democrats care about are ordinary folks. In fact, they had nothing but contempt for them, you know, the basket of deplorables. So, uh, uh, they they are a globalist uh, party, uh, and their their leadership is, is considers themselves citizens of the world, and they're mostly concerned, obviously, with making lots of money, having lots of power, and apparently, if some of r- the rumors have any truth whatsoever, uh, you know, following the Jeffrey Epstein's and the Harvey Weinstein's. Uh, to have the libertine sexual uh, activities, and that's of course the siren song of the left to a large extent. especially Young is libertine. I can remember the march on Washington. I was a Columbia student at the time, and when the march came back from Washington, and there was a big affair, party affair at uh, at Columbia, and I remember, of course, up. Uh, one of the leaders uh, who knew me, because I was a uh, uh, even those days a uh, known conservative on the college campuses. Uh, this was in the uh, mid '60s, early '60s, mid '60s. the uh, He said, "You know, Bob, we really like you, but we're going to have to, you know, you have to be executed when the revolution comes." And I said, "Well, yeah, <laughs> I appreciate the fact that you like me. I don't really appreciate the fact that you think you have to kill me." Uh, but I said, you know, I don't know, the counter-revolution will come before, I think. um uh, and then they, there was a, uh, a couple of people around there who were taking photographs. And they were, I think, pretty obviously, uh, agents working for the FBI or, uh, and, and penetrated this to see who was, uh, who was there. Uh, they were doing their job. And, and, uh, so one of the leaders of the, the march uh, came back and said, look, look at those people that are obviously FBI agents. And I said, thank God they're here. And that was when the FBI was actually working for this country instead of working for the left wing of the Democratic Party. But in any case, uh, it was an interesting atmosphere. And a lot of the males were there for the sex because the one of the things that was advocated was libertine sex. And there was all sorts of pairing ups going on in the party. It was an excuse to overthrow the system, the repressive system that repressed including your sexual desires, apparently, at least according to them. So you can see a lot of the males who were at this party were there. They could care less about the uh, civil rights or overthrowing the country or utopia, but they sure did uh, want to chase the, 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 the women, and they were very successful in doing so. Um, and I think there's also something that could, this was in the 60s, I think 64, 63, whatever it was, um, and I was a little naive in a lot of ways, and that was the first time I think I came face-to-face with a lot of uh, potentially homosexual activity. There's a lot of pairing up of, of, of males. And it was very interesting uh, to see that, and it was kind of a lesson to me. I mean, I grew up in a pretty traditional, you know, home, mother, dad, brother, uh, lower middle class, uh, income-wise, with a lot of relatives that we spent a lot of Sundays with, uh, going to each other's houses for for dinner, where the uh, men ate too much and the women cleaned up after the, uh, the men ate too much. Uh, and the men had to sit around with their belt buckles uh, unbuckled because they had too much. But that's, those were them days and these are these days. But getting back to this, you can see that what's happening, and, and there is definitely an attempt to destroy intermediary uh, uh, institutions, whether that's the family, the church, the free market. Free market capitalism has to go. Corporate capitalism, good. Was corporate capitalism, as uh, Mussolini pointed out, and Mussolini, of course, was a progressive. He was praised by the progressives when he came to power, and in fact, he was anti-Hitler. He thought Hitler was, you know, a little crazy with some of his uh, social views, cultural views. But anyway, they became allies later on. But the um, Mussolini pointed out that corporate capitalism, something he called uh, economic fascism, uh, was uh, the halfway house to socialism. And when Hitler was asked, I mentioned this before, when Hitler was asked, aren't you a socialist? And Hitler said, yes, of course I'm a socialist. So why aren't you nationalizing all the industries? And the answer was essentially because I want the people who know how to run these companies, these big corporations, to keep running them as long as they do what I tell them. So that's, in essence, what corporate capitalism is. The, The major corporations, in exchange for the government, Limiting competition and giving the freedom to go into markets wherever they wanted to, free trade, NAFTA, all that sort of stuff, uh, will do what the government wants done, including this nonsense with the green, uh, with the green New Deal. I mean, California has a uh, a law that requires uh, all energy production to be carbon free by I think 2045. That ain't going to happen. It can't happen. I, I suppose it happens if everybody's wealthy in California, but then who's going to do the work? I mean, after all, California is becoming a state of affluent folks and their servants. Middle class people are leaving in droves. Uh, unfortunately, they're ending up in places like Arizona, and they still and then they flee democratic rule and they go vote for the Democrats anyway. Uh, so uh, you know, I guess certain things people never learn, uh, unfortunately, but. We are faced with, I think, the possibility that increasing numbers of people will think the solution has to be the split up of the company. Uh, And because this kind of mix of people with very different cultural views and this identity politics, which even though people have initially have... Very similar cultural views, kind of a Christian, Western civilization view. They stir them up and make grief for, like, victims. I mean, it's, it's amazing in this country today that the Democrats have been able to convince whole swaths of people that they are victims. They've been convinced women they are victims. The Democratic Party is dominated primarily, is dominated by women in in, in many many places in this country, and an increasing number of women are getting elected to national office through the Democrats, particularly Democrats, and, but also Republicans. A lot of women are being elected Republicans. the um, Republicans, and but they've been able to convince women or a good segment of the population, of women, that they're victims. The blacks are victims. Hispanics are victims. Asians are victims. Because they quit. Uh, uh, including Jews as victims, because who would believe it if they're one of the, you know, the, uh, the most uh, successful groups in the country? And you know who else is a successful group? People from Ghana. People who have immigrated from this to, to this country from Ghana, and they are black as can be, actually have higher average family incomes than whites. I like that. How about Nigerians? Nigerians are one of the best educated groups in this country, most credentialed, not necessarily educated, educated means more than just being credentialed, but they have overrepresented in a lot of uh, uh, jobs where credentials are really important, like academic jobs. So, this country is systemically racist. They've done so well. Well, wait a minute. The country is systemically racist. Of it is. And the party of systemic racism is the Democrats. They're the ones who split people up according to race. They're the ones who have prevented as much as they can the black community for succeeding by, by convincing them that they're victims. They make millions of dollars per year being basketball players or football players or baseball players, yet we all know they're victims, right? Victims. And, oh, well, the fact that the people from Ghana, immigrants from Ghana, do well financially, well, you know, we'll just ignore that fact. And we'll ignore the effect of the credentials of the Nigerians. And then, of course, the people from India have done very well in this country. But they're victims, according to the Democrats. And I have talked to some of my students who are either from India or their parents were from India, And how can you vote Democrat a party that opposes small business, that does everything it can to put regulations in in the way of small business succeeding, and and, and so many of the people from India are very successful entrepreneurs, how can you be Democrat? And they don't have a good answer to that, because they understand that the Democrats are, are the enemy of small business. And I, I, one of my favorite Chinese restaurants, the, uh, the chief cook who I think was also part owner, great cook. And I don't want to mention his name because we used to have a lot of conversations. And he said he could not understand why so many of the, his fellow Chinese Americans uh, still voted for the Democrats when, when they generally were so hostile towards successful small businesses and their hostility was shown with over regulation. How do we counter this? I think, to an, a degree, there is some countering of this, particularly in the black community. I think a lot of uh, of African American or black citizens have figured out that the Democrats have uh, have essentially could be vulgar about it, screwed them all these years, and uh, have have been. You know what did what did Malcolm X say about liberals? Look it up. It's on the internet. Malcolm X said, and maybe I'll have to do a show on some things he said. Malcolm X said that the and the enemy of the Negro race, and in those days you could say Negro in the sixties, the, the the enemy the main enemy of the Negro race is the white liberal. And he went on to explain why. And that, and of course what we would call identity politics, pandering, making excuses for failure. All of that is part of the liberal lexicon when they talk about uh, American black.
0: Well, let's give it. let's give folks a chance to look it up right quick, Robert. And okay. we'll come back right after this. Okay.
2: If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients. Dedicated to fighting for your healthcare freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs the number four patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: This is Robert D'Agostino, Professor Robert D'Agostino with Black Lives Matter, and I've been uh, kind of uh, focusing on what I think is not necessarily an optimistic future. I go between uh cautiously pessimistic and cautiously optimistic. I get cautiously optimistic when I think that... Uh, we may be able to win the election. Trump may be able to win. I mean, it, it's, it staggers the imagination that our, let's say, our current ruler-revolutionary alliance, and that's what I would call it, a ruler-revolutionary alliance. The so rulers are big corporations, the big financial institutions on, on Washington, and they are backing and funding, as I've just dis- discussed, that these, uh, these various revolutionary groups. It, but it, it boggles the imagination that the American people would actually elect someone like Biden, Joe Biden as president. He's obviously an ill person. He's so obviously suffering from the initial stages of dementia. And I don't know that the media... I, sure, I, I see clips once in a while on Fox News, but I don't know if ABC, NBC, CBS playing those clips when he's befuddled, he's confused, he's forgetful, he doesn't know what he's, what he's saying necessarily. He, he's, he's, he's reading the, the, the prompts from the, the teleprompter instead of just the, the speeches. Uh, that recent one where the teleprompter somehow moved and he, and he had to say, well, you know, move the teleprompter up because he doesn't know what to say. And he wears those uh, microphones in his ears so that he gets answers. I do not believe that there will be a real debate with, uh, with Trump. How could they, how could they put him into uh, a uh, debate with Trump? Okay, with no audience there, that'll help. But I, I can just see Biden saying, uh, Biden's handlers, Biden doesn't know what he's saying, Biden handlers saying, uh, oh, uh, because of the pandemic, the virus, we're going to keep Biden in the bunker. Uh, in his basement and uh, he will have the debate from there. That will give him a chance to feed him the answers. And uh maybe the Republicans can have some radio interference. They could, you know, interfere with the transmission of the answers to, to, to Biden. Uh I don't know. Uh, so I, I find it uh not comprehensible that they would allow uh Biden to, to, to debate considering what I've seen of the of his clips in that nonsense where he went to Kenosha and met with those four, uh, four four Union leaders and actually managed to be fairly insulting without knowing it. But anyway, but look at Joe Biden. I, I've gone this before. Joe Biden has always been a lightweight. When he was, I was in Delaware. I was at I taught at uh, what is now Widener Law School uh, in their Wilmington campus in Delaware. And he was a senator. And he was a... People used to crack jokes about him. Yeah, good old Joe. Well, I'm going to vote for him. I know he's not too bright. Uh, I know he tells a lot of lies. But he was at my, you know, wedding anniversary for my mother and father and my grandparents. And he was at the bar mitzvah. He was at the high school football game. Whatever it is. Everybody thought they knew Joe Biden. That's how they voted for him. But he's got a history. Uh, look, some of his classmates... Uh, when he was at uh, law school, I think it was Syracuse Law School, uh, that he cheated his way through law school. He certainly plagiarized a paper in law school and had to rewrite the paper. He, he, and pla- and plagiarism is part of his, uh, uh, modus operandi. When he ran for president in uh, 1988, he, he plagiarized an entire speech from Neil Kinnock in, 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 uh, in, in England. And he was talking about, Neil Kinnock's life, not his own life, and he was talking about it being his life. And he says his daddy was a blue collar worker. No, he wasn't. He was a used car salesman, uh, among other jobs. He was not never worked at a factory, as far as anyone could figure out. Um, and no, his wife was not killed by a, his first wife, and child were not killed by a drunk truck driver. The truck dr- truck driver was not drunk. The fault, the accidental fault, was was not hit not truck drivers. It was the his first wife who jumped the, the stop side or, or the, or the light. And he was asked by this poor truck driver to please, please quit saying he was drunk. And he kept saying three years after that, that he was drunk. Yeah, it was a tragedy that you lose your, 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 your wife and, and you lose your, your first uh, your daughter. But, you know, why lie about how, how it happened? Look, look at that poor woman in California with Nancy Pelosi. What Nancy Pelosi's done is positively evil. She made the, the reservation. She was the speaker of the house. She wanted to get her hair done, and the and so, the salon keeper the uh, welcomed her in there. She was on the the uh, security camera. And then what happens? She gets caught. Someone gets the security camera, and she says she was set up. And the salon owner gets arrested. For, for opening up uh, her, her hairdressing operation uh, in violation of the uh, regulations. You're telling me Nancy Pelosi didn't know what the regulations were? And she has this person arrested? I'm sure she didn't directly have this person arrested. There's like Henry Gates said, who will rid me of this troublesome priest? You know, he didn't order anybody to kill the priest or to execute the priest. Who will? There's Nancy Pelosi. That's positively evil. That's evil. And that's what we're, that's what we're facing. Let's go back to Biden. <laughs> what else? I was near the top of my class in law school. No, you were near the bottom of your class in law school. I have multiple graduate degrees. No, you have a law degree and that's it. I got an award in my political science class. No, you didn't. I was arrested in, uh, in, in, uh, for trying to, in South Africa for, for, for trying to, you know, visit Net, Net Nelson Mandela while I was in jail. That never happened. I mean, I marched with the civil rights people, except that no one ever noticed that you were there. Um, so you have, you have one thing after another. You have a whole series stories told by Biden. And that's in addition to all the inappropriate physical contact. What about the, (laughs) what about the, the the rumor that at a Christmas party, while he's vice president of the United States, there's a Christmas party that involved, uh, you know, uh, secret service and their families among others. And he started calling the women. I mean, and he was so, uh let's say obnoxious that one of the Secret Service agents was threatening to punch him out because he was pulling his 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 wife and had to be restrained by other Secret Service agents. There was a report written up about this. And there was a freedom of information request recently about that report. And the Justice Department did not deny the existence of the report. What they said is that report, pursuant to our usual procedures, whatever they might be in this case, was destroyed. They didn't say it didn't happen. They didn't say there wasn't an an, an incident. They said the report of the incident was destroyed, therefore not available, and that was the only comment they would make. So, So they go down, Trump... Who, who who says gross who says some gross things about grabbing women inappropriately Biden who who actually does grab them inappropriately he gets away with it Trump by being a you know young i guess college it wasn't college at the time but uh, you know immature youngster uh maybe in his 20s or 30s saying this this gross sort of thing he is pilloried Biden who does those very things or allegedly does those very things. Gets a free pass. Does the press investigate? Nope. Does the press question people who might know? Nope. Are they interested? Not if you're a Democrat. Nope. So, So Biden's history of inappropriate behavior, uh, his reputation of being lightweight, not very bright, although there is one person who really thought that Biden, Joe Biden was really brilliant, and that guy's name was Joe uh, Biden. Uh, but he's the only one. I was in Delaware. He was a senator from Delaware. And he's going to be elected president. I don't think so. But if he is, he won't be. He won't last long. And our next president will be Kamala Harris who proved how tough she was by putting minor criminals, mar- marijuana smokers in jail, but letting anyone with big connections free. He's a protege of Willie Brown. And by the you way, know, Willie Brown was, uh, because the mayor of uh, San Francisco at the time, uh, before that he was the uh, uh, Speaker of the House in California. Think of the Assembly in California, the California Assembly. And I, it, this is not on the topic I, would, I did say, but I want to... Robert, we
0: got to wrap her up.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll talk about Willie Brown and Jesse Unruh uh, the next time about uh, why I'm against term limits. And it, Willie Brown is the reason I'm against term limits. If he was able to control the California Assembly, control the crazies, so... So things got done sensibly when Willie Brown was in charge. Thank you
0: for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.